Welcome to the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your host, Angie Rogers Howell. What is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome people in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. Interact with us on Facebook and Instagram just by searching Gone Boss. Now sit back, relax, and find out who has gone Gone boss. boss. In the studio with me, I have Sandy Doyle. Welcome. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I am an author. I'm an optimist. I'm a mother of seven and a grandmother of 19. All right. I want to hit on the optimist real quick because you're you're in a, a, a level above the local optimist, right? Yes. I am going to be vice president of Middle America, which is Indiana, Illinois, uh, Missouri, and Kansas. So I will be helping the governors uh, in any problems that they have or and going and giving speeches. and So a lot of travel. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about the book. You, you've brought the book in. You're an author. I guess it must have been back just before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with um, lung cancer and second stage COPD. And so my kids, being seven of them, you're not leaving the house, Mom. You're not leaving the house. And so almost two years outside of going to doctor's offices, I didn't leave the house. While I was home, I started going through drawers and stuff like that and ran across a, a lot of um, obituaries that I had saved uh, when I worked at the cemetery. And I thought, if you're going to write that book, now's the time. Now go back a little bit. You worked at a cemetery? I worked at a cemetery for 12 years, and then I worked uh, at a small uh, funeral home outside of Muncie uh, for two years. So keep going. Um, (laughs) You've dug through all the drawers. You find these obituaries. I started just writing things down, and and I hired a um, lady to, to edit. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, it's been over 60 years since I was in school, so, and me being on the computer was not a, a good thing either. So, and she kept saying, you've got to get a description, you've got to get a description, you know, um, tell me what kind of day it was. And I said, I don't know that I remember accurately. And she said, it doesn't make any difference. People will want to know about the story, and they will relate to how it was. Sure. So... That's what happened. We uh, we started, or I started writing different things that happened, and the the very first story, and it's always a, a kicker. One of the first people I ever had to deal with mm-hmm. was a um, ex-wife and a son that was in the military, and his 16-year-old daughter, and the gentleman was 49, and he had passed away with a massive heart attack. We went through everything, and we picked out a spot for him close to his parents. So then I always tried to follow up with my people to make sure that they were okay and suggest grief counseling if I thought they needed it or if they just wanted to talk, listen to them. And so um, I called the ex-wife, and uh, she told me that she wanted the space next to him because he was the father of her kids Mm -hmm. and... She thought that it would be advisable for her to have it. So I told her to come in the next morning, and I wrote up the contract, and she paid for it. And then uh, a few days later, 
this young girl comes in and she says, Jerry and I were lovers for the last five years. And she said, I know that I need to spend eternity with him as close as I can get. Oh, no. So Two I, women vying for the same spot. So I sold her the space at the man's feet. <laughs> <laughs> so then the next thing that happened was a few days later, a gentleman came in, a middle-aged gentleman. He came in and he said that um, they were been connected spiritually and emotionally and physically since high school. Okay. And he wanted a space just as close to him as he could get. So I sold him the space next to the girlfriend at the feet of the ex-wife. Gotcha. Wow. So I ended that, that little story with the family may never know, but the cemetery knows it all. <laughs> <laughs> now, your book is titled My Life at the Cemetery. It's not as dead as you think. Right. So again, a collection of stories that you have come across over the uh, past years uh, mm -hmm. dealing with people. Yes, dealing with people. And, and I never knew. When you work at a cemetery, you have no clue what's going to happen or who's going to walk through the door. I mean, there have been many times that I had to call the sheriff. There have been many times that I had to have help because of the circumstances. People don't realize that when you lose somebody, you're running on adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And that may not be good, adrenaline. <laughs> so... I don't think normal people would act that way. That's high stress, high anxiety high stress, situations. High anxiety, the whole whole ball of wax. I, I keep thinking I saw it all, but I'm sure I didn't. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Are you a Munsonian? Where are you from? I'm from Muncie. I was born okay. in Muncie, Indiana in 1946. Okay. <laughs> a long time ago. I graduated from Muncie Central High School, class of 64. Okay. And I married after out of high school, and uh, I ended up basically in between there going back to Ivy Tech and getting my associate degree in marketing. I focused on raising my kids, and then I had the opportunity to work at the cemetery, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And how many years did you say, about 15 or Twelve more? there, Twelve. and then two at a funeral home. And at the funeral home, I just did whatever I could do. It might be waiting on somebody, and it might be uh, helping them plan their funeral, or it might be helping during a service or whatever. So what's kept you at Muncie for this many years? Well, my husband and I moved out uh, just outside of Albany, with the address was Red Key, back in 78, and he was an avid golfer, and he loved Albany Golf Course and all of the people there. And so um, we moved there kind of on a farm-type house, and uh, we raised our kids there. Our kids graduated from Jay County High School. Okay. So then he passed away in 2015, and then about um, 2017, my son bought a house out by Gaston. They live in Texas, and so he... Uh, so you got the Gaston house? I got the Gaston house. Awesome. <laughs> Where at in Texas do they live? Uh, around Dallas, Fort Worth. All right. Tell me about all your kids. That's one in Texas. Yeah, he's a computer scientist. He graduated from Ball State. And then I have a daughter that is a uh, manager at Home Depot in Columbus, Ohio, and she's married with four kids. And then uh, I have a daughter in Muncie that does a lot of, um, she loves yard work and she loves flowers and that kind of stuff. And she has four kids. 
and a daughter that works for the University of Michigan, and she has two kids. And then I have a daughter that works for Townsend Corporation, and uh, she's Right here in town. Yes, and she's been there a while, and she has three children. I have another daughter who is over-sponsored projects at Ball State, and then my youngest is in Noblesville, and he is the food and beverage manager at Sigamore Golf Country Club. Now, I lost track of how many children that that's, is. That's seven. That's seven. Okay. <laughs> wow, seven. <laughs> so you were busy for, what, 30, 30 oh, years yeah. with children? Yeah. I've been blessed beyond my fondest dreams. Let's just put it that way. Tell me about the book. Where where could somebody pick up the book? Uh, you can pick it up at Amazon. Okay. You okay. can get it at Amazon. You can get it at Amazon. You can order it at Books A Million or at uh, Barnes & Noble. All of the major bookstores have it, If you, but you'll have to order it. But Amazon will ship it right to you. I had a couple of people that really encouraged me. I had took a thing at uh, Midwest Writers Workshop. The whole group is just phenomenal. They really encouraged me to follow through with it. I, I didn't really know which way to go because this was foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And so one day I got a phone call. She said, we would like to know a little bit more about your book. And I said, how did you get my name? And she said, well, I don't know. You must have (laughs) sent it to us. And I thought, "Uh, no, because I wasn't quite done with it. Yeah. Okay. This is before publishing. Yeah. So um, anyway, it was Covenant House out of South Carolina. And I ended up going with them. To publish the book. To publish the book. Okay. Yeah. It was different. It was interesting that they worked with me. You know, we had to go through editing again, mm-hmm. of course. And then I got to help design the cover. Well, tell me about the cover there. I wanted something bright. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, it's very, it's like a sunset or a sunrise? Yes. Out at where I worked, you could see some of the sun rays coming through the trees. Okay. And that's all I could think about was the, the sun. And just I just felt that it was the grace of God, the, you know, the yeah. smiling down on the people that had passed away. And I had taken a class during that time, too, because, you know, I have nothing else to do other than stay at home. Yeah, the, during the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. 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 And I had took a dream building class with Mary Morrissey. Okay. Through the Brave Thinking Institute. And during that, uh, she went ahead and, and just said, the book is warm and touching and will make you laugh and cry. And it does. But during the pandemic, I, I was going through a stage of, okay, what is this all about? I heard her say once and then a couple of other um, ministers and self-help gurus on TV or whatever, that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. And so that made sense to me for the first time ever mm-hmm. because I had heard so many stories about people that would call me up and say, is this normal? You know, my husband was there last night, you know, what, what is, you know, what's going on? And I, I didn't know. I had no experience, whatever. So, but then after I lost my husband, I had that experience. Yeah. And so then it just resonated with me. We are spiritual beings. It just made total sense to me. Uh, I have um, one that uh, <laughs> I was working with a couple, and she was losing her sight, and the um, 
her husband was in the nursing home, and they had bought their spaces like 40 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay, got a deal. (laughs) Yeah, paid $200 40 years ago. And uh, anyway, she she said, uh, I gave her the price, Mm -hmm. you know, of what it was going to cost. And she said, are you sure? And I, she said, well, how much did I save by buying these spaces, you know, 40 years ago? And I said, well, they're $1,600 today. <laughs> and so you paid 200 And she said, stopped. And she looked at me and she said, I wish to heck we'd planted bodies instead of corn. <laughs> I want to read you the poem that I ended with. Okay. I happened to find this poem. And it was wrote back in... 19 and 10? 1910. 19 and 10. And by Henry Scott Holland. The title of the poem is Death is Nothing at All. Death is nothing at all. It does not count. I have only slipped into the next room. Nothing has happened. Everything remains exactly as it was. I am I and you are you. And the old life that we live so fondly together is untouched and unchanged. Whatever we were to each other, that we are still. Call me by the old familiar name. Speak of me in the easy way which you always used. Put no difference into your tone. Wear no forced air of solemnity or sorrow. Laugh as we always laughed at the little jokes that we enjoyed together. Play, smile. Think of me. Pray for me. Let my name be ever the household word that it always was. Let it be spoken without an effort, without the ghost of a shadow upon it. Life means all that it ever meant. It is the same as it ever was. There is absolute and unspoken continuity. What is death but a negligible accident? Why should I be out of mind because I'm out of sight? I am but waiting for you for an interval. Somewhere very near, just around the corner, all is well. Nothing is hurt. Nothing is lost. One brief moment, and all will be as it was before. How we shall laugh at the trouble of parting when we meet again. And that's how I ended the book. That's a timely book because the pandemic took so many people away from us. It did. And I don't think we've recovered. I really oh, don't. Oh, not yet, no. <laughs> you know, I, and how many people that I lost that were friends that I never got to say goodbye or whatever. And coming from work at a cemetery, I found that that was very important, just to be able to say goodbye. Again, the book is My Life at the Cemetery, It's Not as Dead as You Think. Sandy Doyle, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I, I, this is an honor. I am just so honored to be here. I've been a fan, especially of your wife's, and uh, I guess for about five years now. So, awesome. Yeah. I will let her know that. <laughs> she listens to the program every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you very much for coming in today. All right. Thank you for having me. You know, we went on a trip here recently. We went on a trip indeed. <laughs> and last episode, we told you about coming back. Well, We want to tell you about a part that we both did not enjoy, but then Then enjoyed (laughs) so much. So to start this off, basically, we did a photography job. Tell people about that (laughs) real quick. Well, we have a friend, Tisha Gerhardt. 
friend of the pod. She's on episode like number two or something, I think, of this show. Um, her daughter was getting married in the Dominican Republic to a Dominican. So she's like, hey, will you guys come and take pictures? And she asked Matt, and Matt said no. And then uh, Yeah, th- I was like, I don't take pictures of weddings. I don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she's like, then she talked to me, and I was like, wait a second. Matt told you no. No, we're going to make this happen. So we made it happen. And it was the best trip we've ever been on. It was amazing. As part of this trip, they were like, hey, everybody, we're going to go on this excursion. Yes. Do you guys want to go with us? I'm not a big ocean person, right? Matt knows this. You've been snorkeling before. I did one and time. And it was horrible, And right? it was horrible. I had a panic attack. So, I used to have a book about the ocean. I had, like, when I was a kid, I had a cartoon, like, shark book, and it scared the bejesus out of me. And I made my mom every night check to make sure that it was shut in my, like, cabinet behind doors. That's how much I don't like the ocean. I couldn't even look at it when I went to sleep. A long time ago, you went snorkeling. You didn't like it. Didn't like it. I'm not a big fan of snorkeling or anything like that. In fact, I don't think I've ever done it. So Right. And I don't want to see the stuff in the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, this excursion's all... All snorkeling and swimming with the creatures and things. And I have always long said, never, ever, ever will I do that again. But guess what? I decided... We're on a trip. They want us to take pictures of their vacation and blah, blah. We should go on this excursion. And Matt's like, really? I'm like, yeah, we're doing it. So we did it. So (laughs) So it was swim with the sharks and stingrays. They handed out the snorkeling gear, which is the mask and the uh, thing. Snorkel thing. I didn't put the mask on or anything until right before I got in the water. Yeah, I had it on my face like when we're wa- waiting to get in the water. And you're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting used to my mask, but okay. Well, I didn't, which I should have. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> so, all right. So the first thing, they take you out on this boat. There's a whole bunch of us. They take us out on this boat. And if you're a good swimmer, you can go on this one side of the boat and just have a free-for-all. And we're like, I'm a good swimmer, but I'm not doing that. So you can go on the other side. It's like the baby side, the beginner side. It has a rope. It has a rope, and you can just follow the rope. So great. We can do that. You get in the water. Yep. You're like, okay. I climb down the ladder, have a mini panic attack because I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to get in the water with the sharks. <laughs> and you got this mask on And I got on the mask face. on my face and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I can't believe we're doing this. Anyway, I get over that. We get in there. We pull ourselves on the little rope, right? Yeah. <laughs> now the whole time I am trying, this is the first time I have it on. I'm putting the thing in my mouth and I'm trying to breathe through it. And yeah, I'm just like, I don't know if I can breathe through this thing. <laughs> And, so, and then you got waves coming and like smashing in your face and salt water. Yeah, I've got your... my hand on the rope, but I'm like, I'm going to drown. <laughs> and we have floaties on. It's not like we're going <laughs> to die. Like we've got the like life vests and stuff on. Anyway, so we pull ourselves over there and we get in the... It's like a caged off area that they have the stingrays yeah, in and the, the ocean, sharks. Yes, it's in the Caribbean. They got the little... First, it's the stingrays, I think. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. No, 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 no. First, it was the, the sharks. sharks. And then they're like, these are nurse sharks. They don't even have any teeth. They're the most docile sharks in the world. And we're like, oh, I'm like, great. It can stay over there. <laughs> so they're like, look over here in the corner. It's the sharks. I'm like, nope, I'm on the opposite side. I will look from afar. <laughs> so I kept trying to put my head underwater and like look around and yeah just got salt water in you my just mouth. could now not like, coordinate i don't like this right like, you could not coordinate the the breathing through the tube and the thing and yes. the whatever i could i just did not care to see what was underneath the ocean in in there with me so, so anyway we, we move over to the next cage we move over to the stingray cage which then yes. they're like oh don't worry these stingrays don't have barbs they can't kill you like steve Irwin or whatever I'm and like, that's what was going through my mind the whole time i'm like I am going to get barbed out here. So we get in there and yeah. they and they have like a little 
area where they have one that you can like pet and yeah, take you pictures can get with. out of the water and they bring one up to you and you get your selfie taken with it or something like that uh, and everybody's like do you want a picture Angie? no no nope. i don't so i stayed far away again because i don't i'm just here to observe and i don't need to be all up and close and personal with the wildlife we hang out for a while and do whatever and it took forever i'm like let's get back to the boat well, and like, they're like i'm not sure if we can go back to the boat yet well and there's like 50 people who are like waiting to like take pictures with the stingray and all of that and i'm like all right done i've seen this it's fine so we see the stuff i do like go like look underwater just to say that i saw it. i saw mm-hmm. like three stingrays and i was like from afar Good enough for me. Goodbye. So eventually, we make our way out of the enclosure and back to the boat. But when we got home, you were like, hey, guess what I saw? (laughs) (laughs) So I did stick my face under the water. You were right beside me. Uh, You know, we're pulling on the rope and everything. And yeah, there were stingrays right underneath us. You were like, it it was the biggest stingray I've ever seen. And it was right (laughs) underneath of you. I'm like, thank you for not telling me that while we are in the water. Thank you for waiting until we got back to America to tell me that. Gross. So So we we made our way back to the boat. Back to the boat. Thank goodness. Thank God. The scary part is over. And And they're like, here's some snacks and drinks. Yes. And whatever you want. Here's some rum and cokes. Here's this. Here's that. Oh. Good. Ah, thank Good. goodness. So we We're had done. A, we had a snack. We had some drinks. They play music. There's dancing. It's a good time. And I'm like, all right, this this is more my speed. So we're cruising along, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, this this part's over. But then I heard we we're going to go to some sandbar, and I'm like, oh no, more fish, more snorkeling. Ugh. No, no, it's party village, it is party town. If you've ever seen like on the Real Housewives or whatever, and there's like you know ten boats all kind of like pulled up to one spot, and everybody's out like partying and music and stuff. It was that. It was that for like an hour. It it was awesome. So much fun. And like (laughs) I stopped counting after like six vodka sodas or whatever. (laughs) Had a lot to drink. Had a lot to drink. We were out in the water at one point. They they brought tubs of drinks out. They had bottles of beer that they'll fill up your cup. (laughs) And they're throwing a football around. I mean, it was just... And all these other boats, everybody dancing on the boat. Yeah, there was like a bachelor water. party on one boat, a bachelorette party on another boat, us, a bunch of old white people on this boat. Like, yeah. it, it was <laughs> it was fun. So we were all out there drinking and having a good old time and listening to music and everything. It was amazing. So it went from like the worst thing that we could imagine to the best part. Then we got back on the boat where they're still like, here, have more drinks. And then we're going to make our special... What did they call it? I don't even know, but it was like a coconut rum drink yes, of some sort. Of some sort. It's like now, the drink I of liked the it. You did not. Well, I liked the beginning until you got down to the bottom. I don't want to drink. That was all coconut gr- I don't want to drink things that have like <laughs> chunks in it. It just grosses me out. So before that, it tasted great. So they're like, more drinks. They had music. They they taught us like dance, like island you guys dances. Did the conga line we did at a the conga front line the through the boat. Like I don't do stuff like that. But <laughs> me and Tisha, we were like leading up the conga line. We had a great time. So and and they took took us on a charter bus there and back. So we didn't have to worry about driving or anything like oh, yeah. that. So then we get back on the bus. We're all drunk as monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Sun's going down in the Dominican. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It was wonderful. It went from the worst, scariest time swimming with sharks and stingrays to the best time. We've had so much to drink and dancing and fun. It was it was very fun. I had a good time.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at GoneBoss.com or hashtag GoneBoss. We're on Instagram at GoneBoss2K or find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you like what you hear today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Have a great rest of your day and don't forget to tune in next week and find out who has Gone, gone Boss. boss.